Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Tonight, the partisan battle over a disputed congressional seat in Iowa is over tonight. The Democrat challenging the election of her Republican opponent by just six votes last November says she's done, finished. Congressional correspondent Chad Pergram is live on Capitol Hill tonight. Chad, what prompted this move? Good evening, Brett. Well, Democrat Rita Hart said conversations with people she trusts her to withdraw her challenge to GOP Iowa representative Marionette Miller Meeks. This came as Miller Meeks got back up from the top. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy parachuted into Iowa after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi suggested the House could unseat Miller Meeks. It's the people's house, not Pelosi's house. And the idea that Democrats want to turn over an election after it's been counted, recounted, and a bipartisan election board had voted. It's time to move on. Hart agreed in a statement Hart called the outcome of the race a stain on democracy. She added the truth has not prevailed. Hart said there was a toxic campaign of political disinformation. Iowa election officials certified Miller Meeks as the winner by six votes, the closest House race in a century. Democrats contend election officials never counted 22 ballots. It's about following the democratic process and making sure that Iowans have their voice heard and their voice is their vote. Democrats are now making a big push for Congress to pass voting rights bills. Democrats hope to use a disputed race like this to make their point. But the House is still probing another race. Republican Jim Oberweiss lost to Illinois Democrat Lauren Underwood. Oberweiss appealed to the House, but McCarthy doesn't back that challenge either. Brett? Chad, just to be clear, uh, while the Democrat Rita Hart pulled out, stopped the going forward, Speaker Pelosi was ready to move forward, right? That's right. She said uh, she could see a scenario when I asked her that they would remove Miller Meeks and maybe seat Rita Hart. But you know, it takes a two-thirds vote to kick somebody out of the House. That's only happened five times, and several of those uh, expulsions were during the Civil War. Chad Pergram, the man with all the facts up on Capitol Hill. Chad rolling back voter rights, the Republican push in more than 40 states to limit voting access. These are the kind of people who would pass a law to keep Jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross. Should we make it harder to vote based on lies or should we make it easier to vote so that more people can participate? This big lie from last fall promoted by pro-Trump propaganda networks is now the cover, is now the excuse for these attempts at voter suppression. We're watching the big lie turn into voter suppression before our very eyes. How do you at the DNC plan to contend with the voter suppression efforts that we're now seeing across the country? States across the country race to enact laws to suppress voting. Is this all voter suppression in action? Extraordinary surge 
of voter suppression laws. There's a huge wave of new voter suppression efforts. Republican voter suppression efforts. Massive voter suppression. Sweeping new voter suppression law in Georgia. Georgia's Jim Crow voter suppression law. The, the broadest attempt to make it more difficult for Americans to vote since the Jim Crow era before the Voting Rights Act. What is obviously a racist policy of trying to suppress the votes of non-white voters. H.R. 1 would stop these kind of things by putting in place pro-voter policies. The For the People Voting Rights Bill, which would preempt much of the new Jim Crow-style voter suppression in Georgia. If Democrats are going to prevent this from happening or reverse what's already been done, they really only have one option, and that is to end the filibuster to pass a nationwide floor of voting rights like what's contained in H.R. 1. When the nation and the world shut down, planet Earth got a rare break. And for the first time, we saw more deer and turkeys near Boston. Dolphins swimming in a quieter New York harbor. And waterways in Venice so clear, you could see jellyfish. Nobody would have wanted to see this pandemic, but from a science standpoint, the data you've collected is a gift. That's right. Absolutely right. Now, it's, a, it's a gift to the science, but it's also a gift to us to society, to the human race. It demonstrates we can do this. What have we learned this past year? Even though COVID remains a disaster, many of us can work from home. We don't need to drive everywhere. And if we hold on to that, scientists say we can positively impact global climate change. The unprecedented attacks on the press in this period, I'm sure will fill plenty of books and be studied in classrooms, maybe even here. But I have a few early observations I'll share about where this moment brings us and what we can learn. Number one is, I think it's become clearer that fairness is overrated. Well, before you run off and tweet that headline, let me explain a bit. The idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in. That the sun sets in the West is a fact. Any contrary view does not deserve our time or attention. Now, I know recent events assure that you won't have to look far to find more current and relevant examples. I think you get my point. Decisions to not give unsupported arguments equal time are not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda. In fact, it's just the opposite. Providing a platform for misinformation, for anyone to come say whatever they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake, can be quite dangerous. Our duty is to be fair to the truth. Holding those in power accountable is at the core of our function and responsibility. We need to hear our leaders' views, their policies and reasoning. It's really important, but we have to stand ready to push back and call out falsehoods. News literacy is extremely important. We must help our audiences understand what our role is in a healthy democracy. Because if we're not asking the right questions, who is? Imagine, if you would, what the pandemic would look like without the media holding leaders to account for vaccine rollouts or countering harmful misinformation or why some communities are being left behind. Regard for truth must regain a foothold in our society so that we can weather the storms of tomorrow's calamities, tomorrow's pandemics. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's... Is, this is I really a, don't know okay. the answer is. That's you don't know yes answer. or no if the laptop was I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. 
here. A critical situation as they were taking. That could have been the suspect right there. That could have been the suspect there that they were taken away because that suspect was shot. But this is viewer discretion is all. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 3rd of April, year of our Lord, 2021. And that intro, man, that is a primer for your ass. So we stop the steal is over. All right, we're no longer stopping the steal. They kind of got a nice montage of voting lies, infrastructure, just the Green New Deal, and the Capitol shooter, which is what we're going to start with first. Don't worry, we're going to hit all the topics today. Nice little transection. And I'm doing it in my new Martin Truex Jr. shirt. Yes, I got her flowers. She got me Martin Truex's car. My first at NASCAR collectible. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm kind of into NASCAR, but... Anywho, let, let's get straight in this. I, I can sum this section up, and you probably know. A uh, guy from the Nation of Islam attacks a cop, gets killed, stabs a cock, and right off the bat, this is what our media did. Director of the FBI into this. What's your reaction, Andrew? You know, Wolf, it's not uncommon to have people who are suffering from some form of mental illness or emotional distress to show up at places like the Capitol or uh, the White House or FBI uh, headquarters, for that matter, you know, demanding to talk to people, trying to air out some of these uh, delusions or, or concerns that they have. Uh, you know, in October of 2013, there was a woman named Miriam Carey who drove from a residence in Connecticut down to the White House and tried to kind of uh, drive her vehicle through a checkpoint there and ended up in a tragedy. She was shot. A lot of people have concerns about the way that was handled. But nevertheless, a similar situation, somebody unbalanced and, and bringing those concerns to the symbols of government. I think what's different here is you're seeing the uh, playing out of not just a mental illness, but a grievance against the government. Uh, and I would suggest that that is a result of one of the results of, of what we saw on January 6th. They tried so fucking hard to tie this. And then they dropped it. But he was a black guy. He never heard it. Nation of Islam. Let, let's look at the pictures because we have pictures of this guy. Um, and I fucked up. There we go. Yep, there he is. The most amazing thing about this is that all the social medias scrubbed his account, and he went away like the bathwater. And this is a doctor, because there was plenty of this on Twitter. Trump insurrectionists are attacking our capital again. Multiple reports that two Capitol police have been shot. Trump insurrectionists that that's what they went with but he's from the nation of islam but you know eh. a bulwark amanda carpenter this is political violence recognize this she's conservative supposedly uh aoc or no Ilian omar heartbroken heartbroken another cp was killed while protecting the capital my thoughts and prayers go out to the officer's family and the entire capital police force the death toll would have been worse if the assailant was an ar there you go i i actually tweeted you know now we're gonna ban knives 
And then that that was done by newsbusters. That montage you saw of voting, you got to be kidding me. We'll do more on him because there's not enough out really to get it. At the back of our intro was Lester Holt literally saying, it's pretty much our duty not to be fair. It's our duty to push what we see as important stories. It's our duty to do everything. It, it just... I, I can't even say how bad we are. We're just so bad in the media. It, it is actually getting worse. I, I, he put out a cabinet picture. Biden, the whole world said he had too many white people. That, that's all we're doing right now. And then I want us to see this, because this is really interesting, you know, before we get into the nuts and bolts of everything. Um, this is NPR's original story. Why have we seen any stories in NPR about the New York Post Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter because it's not real. It's not important. NPR issues a correction to book review that said U.S. Intel discredited Hunter Biden's laptop. And you saw a little snippet. They finally said something about Hunter Biden, and he admitted it was his. Yeah. But, you know, hey. It happens. I mean, it's, it's tough being a journalist when you're trying to get a guy elected. You know, we do things. Another thing is Harris and Biden still playing kabuki theater and saying you can't travel anywhere and Easter and all this stuff. Well, they're still traveling. She's in California. He goes to Delaware or he goes to Camp David every weekend. You, these are the kind of things under Trump we would be talking about. We would be saying this is inappropriate. You must lead by example. A guy that was vaccinated was a piece of shit because he wouldn't wear a mask. Remember this? But we're not doing it now. So before we get in border and you saw the border... I think I had a snippet in there. We're about to see a nice bumper on border and how they're trying to handle this. And it's a short section today, but trust you me, this is out of control, especially when everybody saw them tossing babies off the top of the wall and we're doing nothing about it. I want to play a soundbite first, and this is from Ben Shapiro, and I think it really sums up the best way. And I was going to scrap my primer and just put this in here because it's really, really good. It's pretty much how you have to look at everything in our garbage media. So the big story of the day continues to be over the course of this week, the trial of Derek Chauvin. He's the police officer in Minneapolis who infamously knelt on the neck of George Floyd for some eight minutes and 46 seconds. That video, of course, went completely viral. It spurred the largest protests in American history. Some estimated 15 to 20 million Americans in the street in the middle of a COVID pandemic. Our public health officials decided randomly that that was now okay because, of course, racism was a public health crisis as well. In any case, this is the biggest story in the country. It has been the biggest story in the country since that video emerged. And this raises the question, which stories become national stories? A pretty simple question. Why do some stories become national stories and other stories do not become national stories? And the answer, quite obviously, is the narrative. Because certain stories are national stories until they don't match the narrative, at which point they sort of fall off the radar, and other stories just stay national stories forever. So to take a perfect example, three weeks ago, all we were talking about in this country was the Atlanta shooting, where a white man killed eight people, including six Asian women, and the story was supposedly anti-American, anti-Asian American hate. 
And it turned out the evidence just wasn't there to back it. We're not talking about that story anymore. Did you notice how that story just disappeared? Nobody's talking about Atlanta anymore. Meanwhile, we are still talking about George Floyd, not just because the trial is going on, but because we never stopped talking about George Floyd. And for those people who say, well, yes, police brutality.
it goes on for quite a long time. There was another, uh, Dr. V- David Victor Hansen said the same thing. It's all about the agenda. And as we start this podcast, this should have been the primer because everything's about agenda in here. It's not about truth. It's not about facts. Facts have nothing to do with it. They will still be maligning Trump supporters all this weekend and next week in reference to the Capitol shooting, and it was a Nation of Islam person. They will never say it was a Nation of Islam person. They will never say he's a black person. No different than the two black girls that killed the fucking dude in uh, Washington, D.C. They never once said what their race was, whereas the first thing they will say is white guy killed. White guy. Trump guy. It goes back to old podcasts on this show. The bias is horrible from pictures to how they frame stories to, like he said, what they cover as news. But what's even worse is the omission. The bias of omission overruns everything in our media. We don't cover it because it doesn't fit the narrative. We don't say it's a Democrat. We don't say it was a black person. The key point, the Asian violence. They never once did you hear on your media that 28% of all fucking Asian violence is black people. They didn't even play the video we played of the black guy chest stomping and then face kicking an Asian woman just because. During the Trump years, the the violence of Jews never once, even though the New York Times had reported it and then been called on it and said, well, it's just local news, never once said that the Hasidic Jews were getting beat the fuck up by black people. That people that beat up Jews, black people in New York, were getting cashless bails, and a lady did it three times, and was released three times with a cell phone, And some cash for the train. But they never said she was a black woman. They never said she beat up a fucking Jew. They never said any of that stuff. Because why would they? It's the bias of omission. By not covering it, by not covering the key details that they ensure they put in the first sentence or the header on the internet in reference to the right or white people. I mean, I'm going to play a soundbite by him today. It's rather long. But if you really look at everything the Biden administration is doing, they're fucking racists. They're anti-white racist on every policy they're putting out, including infrastructure, which has nothing to do with infrastructure. It has to do with Green New Deal, social justice, intersectionality, bullshit. But that's all going to be by race. And if you're white... Get out of the line. Get the fuck out. And I can understand if you were a person that was a slave, thinking that way. A person that lived under real Jim Crow at the Georgia voting laws. I can see you having that, but this isn't black people doing it. This is white liberals literally... You know, pandering to those low expectations that black people are unable to do anything. And that makes them even more racist. And then, to assuade their guilt, making every policy about, well, white people are evil, so we need we need to do this. And nowhere is that more than, than the border. This border, this is bias by 
Omission. Border Patrol cameras catch smugglers dropping two girls, three and five, over a 14-foot border wall. Great work resting these children, USBC. So heartbreaking. Glad CBB West Texas were there to save them. This isn't new. And then you saw in our intro, AOC wordsmithing. Because that's all they have is words. They use words because their policies are bullshit. So now if you're using surge, it's militaristic. And that, that's what she was babbling the fuck about. Uh, I 
I don't know. Another tweet by her. A lot of people who are just now suddenly horrified that dehumanizing conditions are border are the same folks who dehumanize immigrants and help build these cages in the first place. We tried to stop this infrastructure over a year ago. We were overturned by both parties. A politician's strength isn't based on a trip. It's based on their policy and voting record. Yeah. And then she attacks Ted Cruz and at no time says anything, anything about Barack Hussein Obama who built this? But in the press brief, this is how it rolled. And then on immigration, has the White House considered beefing up border security now that there is video of a three-year-old and a five-year-old being thrown over the wall in New Mexico? Beefing up border security. I, well, there are, there's video now of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I've, I've seen the video, and I think any of us who saw the video... Um, were incredibly alarmed by uh, the steps of smugglers, ones that we have been quite familiar with, that we've spoken out about our concerns about. As Secretary Mayorkas said, the inhumane way smugglers abuse children while profiting off parents' desperation is criminal and morally reprehensible. The president certainly agrees with that. And these kids, I believe, were rescued from, by, uh, by um, individuals who are working at the border. Yes, but they still got close enough as you guys are talking about addressing root causes in the region for a smuggler to throw them over a wall into the desert. And I'm just curious what the White House is doing to stop that from happening. And are you concerned more about the kids' safety or are you concerned about kids getting in? Or tell me more about your concern here. Kids safety. I'm going to be rude right now, but that lady's a fucking bitch. That lady's a fucking bitch. You know, you don't get to sit on your moral high ground when you cram 600 people in a 100-person room. You don't get your moral high ground when you're at 790%. No, you've lost your high ground. But because the media is so sycophant and so liberal and so garbage, she gets to say, oh, are you worried about them just coming in because you're a xenophobe? AOC, a lot of people, okay, that's the same one. They just double tapped it, I'm sorry. Representative AOC on the border, what is happening there is not the same as what happened during Trump. Let's just listen to this together. Now, the first thing I want to say is that the fact that this keeps happening over and over and over again is a political failure by both parties. And I want to be very clear about that because I don't want to draw false equivalents. What is happening here? is not the same as what happened during the Trump administration, where they took babies out of the arms of their mothers. That's a lie. We all know it's a lie. We all know she's lying. And the media on the Hill just carried it like, yeah, no pushback. No fact checks. Why would we? I mean, what the actual fucking fuck what the fucking fuck? She is such garbage. And once again, I don't even blame the media. I blame the stupid motherfuckers who voted this stupid wench in. Who the fucking fuck votes for that googly-eyed, deadhead idiot who is just one long Fucking bumper sticker. She doesn't even speak in English. She doesn't speak in Spanish. She speaks in woke as fuck bumper sticker that you see on the back of a goddamn Prius. What the fuck am I? But that just pales 
in comparison to the media and their never fucking ending lies about voting and this is long but god damn it this is all a lie Dozens of the nation's most prominent black business leaders are calling on companies to speak up against a wave of Republican-backed restrictive voting bills. After mounting backlash for their silence, two of Georgia's biggest employers, Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola, objected to the state's new voting law. And to be fair here, for Delta, this was a major cleanup in aisle three after first putting out a tone-deaf statement in favor of the new law. Still with us, Baritone de Thurston, Mark McKinnon. Hey, Mark, I have it on good authority while that was audio only of Governor Kemp that he spoke with a straight face. Why doesn't he just go all in and and embrace the rich heritage, the hard fought, well deserved tradition in Georgia for voter suppression? That in an interview with ESPN, the president said he would support moving Major League Baseball's all star game out of Atlanta after Georgia passed a controversial new voting law. This is Jim Crow on steroids what they're doing in, in Georgia. Two major Georgia-based companies, Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, are now taking the same stance, arguing the Republican law was based on a lie and will restrict voting rights. Delta CEO Ed Bastian spoke to CBS this morning. The, the right to vote is sacrosanct, and we can't do anything to send a message to people that we're going to make it more restrictive and harder to have their voice heard. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp accused those companies of caving to public pressure. I think the people are standing up and realizing the games that are being played here, and they're going to be fighting back with us. When the right has lost the culture wars decisively, like a generation ago, including among their own kids. Fixating now on a new boogeyman. Well, a boogie kid, meaning trans youth. Republican legislators in more than two dozen states are pushing through bills that take the 2016 bathroom bill to a new level. The culture wars are not about culture. They're about keeping right-wing Christians engaged and voting Republican. And what better than a fake stolen election or racializing the coronavirus or losing your marbles over a handful of trans junior high school softball players? Rolling back voter rights, the Republican push in more than 40 states to limit voting access. These are the kind of people who would pass a law to keep Jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross. Should we make it harder to vote based on lies or should we make it easier to vote so that more people can participate. This big lie from last fall, promoted by pro-Trump propaganda networks, is now the cover, is now the excuse for these attempts at voter suppression. We're watching the big lie turn into voter suppression before our very eyes. How do you at the DNC plan to contend with the voter suppression efforts that we're now seeing across the country? States across the country race to enact laws to suppress voting. Is this all voter suppression in action? Extraordinary surge of voter suppression laws. There's a huge wave of new voter suppression efforts. Republican voter suppression efforts. Massive voter suppression. Sweeping new voter suppression law in Georgia. Georgia's Jim Crow voter suppression law. The, the broadest attempt to make it more difficult for Americans to vote since the Jim Crow era before the Voting Rights Act. What is obviously a racist policy of trying to suppress the votes of non-white 
voters. H.R. 1 would stop these kind of things by putting in place pro-voter policies. The For the People Voting Rights Bill, which would preempt much of the new Jim Crow-style voter suppression in Georgia. If Democrats are going to prevent this from happening, First, what's already been done, they really only have one option, and that is to end the filibuster to pass a nationwide floor of voting rights like what's contained in H.R. 1. Tyler, thank you. And James, thank you for, for joining us today. I, I invited you on because I was really eager to hear your response as one of the biggest companies in Georgia to the call from Ken and Ken, more than 70 black executives, to do more to directly oppose this Georgia legislation. How do you react? Yeah, no, I completely, uh, completely agree. I mean, let me let me be crystal clear and unequivocal. Uh, this legislation is unacceptable. Two hundred and fifty proposed bills in at least forty-three states that are aimed at restricting access to the ballot. It's being called the new Jim Crow. Here's CNN's Joe Johns. Wheel about and turn about and do just so. Jim Crow is making a comeback. The fictional black-faced character from minstrel shows who came to symbolize second-class citizenship for millions of Americans. Every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. Jim Crow is also the name used to describe unequal racial segregation rules that banned black people from eating at white-owned restaurants, staying in white-owned hotels, and fully participating in the election process. Now, as hundreds of new proposals to scale back voter participation in elections make their way through state legislatures, the parallels with the past are inescapable. Elizabeth Johnson Rice was 19 when she went to jail fighting Jim Crow 61 years ago as a college student at Virginia Union University. She and 33 other students were locked up for a sit-in at a local department store. The alleged crime, trespassing at a whites-only lunch counter in Richmond. If you wanted a meal, you had to go into the alley, to the door, and let them serve it to you through the door in the alley. Virginia, like many states, also had strict voting rules with poll taxes and literacy tests, while other states had something known as the eight-box rule, requiring a separate box and separate sheets of paper for ballots for each office. Slight variations could cause ballots to be thrown out. And every time you uh, vote for a person, it's got to be the right box and the right size paper because mr president thank you for being here as we get set for a wonderful day I'm in sports opening day for america's national pastime so as thankful as we are to have baseball starting on time this year we are obviously still in the rollout phase of the COVID 19 vaccine and that affects teams and fans everybody so mr president how do you envision this season going with so much up in the air still well, there's not so much up in the air if we, if we listen. What I was able to do is get over 600 million doses of the, uh, uh, of the vaccines available, the three vaccines. We've been, I, when I announced I've only been in office a little over 100 days, not, not quite 100 days, and uh, I announced we were going to do, we're going to make sure we did uh, 100 million shots. We're going to be up to 200 million. We have 600 million vaccinations available. By, uh, and so we have enough to begin to vaccinate everybody in the entire United States. But people have to be responsible, Sage. They have to continue in the meantime to wear masks when they're around someone. I mask off now because I, there's no one within 30 feet of me. But you have to wash your hands and keep social distancing. And so it's going to be a little while. We can't, uh, you know, and some people are, 
think they're being tough guys, not wearing masks. Well, guess what? They're, they're, they're hurting themselves and other people. As you have a patriotic duty to protect the people around you. But God willing, the way the vaccines are getting out now and the way we're working, I think uh, we ought to be able to, uh, as I set a goal, that by the 4th of July, I'd be able to at least have a small barbecue in the backyard with family. And uh, by the time we get into the fall, hopefully things are moving. I don't think early in the baseball season it's going to happen. Growing backlash over the controversial new voting law in the state of Georgia. Critics of that law say it amounts to voter suppression. Now they're stepping up pressure on the state's biggest companies like Coca-Cola and Home Depot and Delta to do more or face a nationwide boycott. Countdown to the boycott is officially Critics are giving these businesses until next week to fulfill a very specific set of demands. Now, of course, all of this is in response to that controversial voting law. Religious leaders piling the pressure on the soft drink giant. Let's talk about, help those of us outside of Georgia understand um, why this law, this voting law in Georgia was necessary, and particularly some of the elements. Let me just dive into some of the ones that have been questioned the most. So. Um, this law changes, it moves the ballot drop boxes, which were so convenient in 2020. I used a ballot drop box myself inside. Why? Why not keep them the most accessible um, position outside? If you're familiar with the ballot drop boxes, you'll know that they were not permitted or codified in Georgia law. The drop boxes were only a function of the pandemic. So drop boxes are popular. We kept drop boxes. We did not outlaw boxes. Drop boxes are uh, one per 100,000 registered voters, and they are assigned to precincts based on the population density. Yeah. So I think that we, what we tried to have was a was a even, calm, uh, measured approach across all uh, measures regarding the drop boxes. But wouldn't would outside be more convenient out than inside? 55% of all voters... 55% of all voters in Georgia, as reported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, believe that the election system in Georgia was broken. So but, but, 74% I mean, were the drop boxes, of all but voters, just so, just Hold on, hold on, Senator, for a second. Were the outside drop boxes, how was that broken? I mean, aren't those more convenient for people to vote? I said the process was broken. The, mm -hmm. the, we still have the drop boxes. We have them monitored. They should have been monitored all along. Um, so... Now we have them inside. They're open many, many hours. In fact, we expanded the hours of yeah. voting in Georgia. So there are many uh, good measures to this okay. piece uh, let, of legislation. Let me move on to the next one. Uh, you restrict early voting hours from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Isn't that when most people are at work? Well, actually, we increased early voting hours uh, by 33 hours over the over the entire period that early voting is available in Georgia. Right, but those so particular hours. If you, read the, bill, hours, if but, you but, read the bill, you well, will we find have, that there are I, 33 more hours. Okay, but I have the law specifies that early voting hours must run from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's the language in the bill. Or, but isn't that... Uh, shall, but I beg your pardon, shall run from 9 to 5, but may run from 7 to 7. Okay. So there are well, a lot of details here that maybe we need to review to make sure that you're clear on. Well, look, Sorry. this is what, I mean, Senator, this is what we're trying to do. The point is, is that it sounds like with some of these things that you're making it less convenient. Well, we certainly don't want to make it less convenient. We want to make a, a clear, uh, accessible, uh, accountable, uh, transparent 
a process for voting in Georgia. Well, one of the uh, things early is, voting look, and weekend voting, I mean, early voting and weekend voting were maintained. There's no of uh, uh, the no fault. Senator, sorry, I think you're 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 breaking up a little bit. Sorry about your 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 satellite for a second As there. Are you fond of? A lot of Georgians are. We're maintained. Yeah. Um, very quickly, because this is one that's gotten a lot a lot of attention. The food and drink. Sure. Um, oh yes. That's a great people point. Need, let's go over that. Let, let's go over that quickly. Tell us why, why, why not give elderly people who are waiting for hours in line a bottle of water. Here again, as reported by uh, the political science department at Massachusetts at MIT, uh, this is a false narrative that you can't give food or drink. You can have a water station, you have a comfort station, you can have an umbrella station, you can have a food station. You can have all these this stuff that's accessible for those that are waiting in line. But what you can't do is go from person to person electioneering and intimidating and persuading voters right. in the voting line. But yes. the water stations are available, food stations are available, umbrella stations yeah. are available, blankets, chairs, whatever you like, yeah. but you can't go person to person electioneering. Sure. And I know you already had laws on the book about electioneering. So this feels a little bit different. But um, Senator, I'm sorry, we have to let you go. We've had a really busy show. Uh, Butch Miller, thank you very much for coming on to explain your perspective on the new law. We appreciate it. Actually, I'm trying to explain the law. Even Glenn Kessler, Biden keeps repeating these three false misleading statements. The poll, this is the AP, the poll also finds rare bipartisan support on the measure requiring photo identification to vote. Overall, 72% of Americans were in favor, including most Republicans and a slim majority of Democrats. I can put it back up because all the things you need, and that is Rasmussen. Should voters be required to show photo identification such as a driver's license before they're allowed to vote? September 2018, yes. Democrats, 52 to 60. Unaffiliated, 6177. Republicans, 8989. All voters, 6775. Nothing's changed. 75%. As the Democrats claim voter ID is racist, new poll shows nearly 70% of blacks support it. That voter suppression lie isn't fooling anyone. In a logical world, this would disrupt the narrative. In our world, it won't be mentioned by talking heads. The American people support voter ID. They support it. And remember, I'm going to use this every fucking podcast. As POTUS Joe Biden announces the rampant abuse of filibuster last year, we did some digging. Republicans used it once. Democrats used it 327 times. When they're the minority, they don't let you vote shit in. Shit. Mark Elias. The new Georgia law required voters to submit ID to vote by mail. If they use their driver's license, they need to provide the number. One of the two numbers below is correct. If they put the other in, it will be rejected. Are you sure you picked the right one? So basically what he's saying is black people are fucking stupid. I mean, who has a Jim Crow video? You saw it. CNN rolled that out. Where do you get that? It's like all this Nazi shit. You people spend all your time on the dark web. New York Times, Senator Mazzarino wonders how some Republicans live with themselves. 
I don't know how you live with yourself because you're a fucking liar. So then you saw in that montage of fucking stupid with only one pushback, MLB moved. WAPO um, does another fact check, and you saw in that montage, ESPN. What is ESPN even covering immigration? Coke, you saw him. Why is he part of this? Why? Delta, this is not who we are. Yet they originally were for the bill before they were against the bill because they're Democrats. That's how it rolls. And you require ID to get on your fucking plane, dickhead. MLB requires ID to get in the fucking ballpark and buy tickets. Tom Cotton, here's Delta's own statement, praising the law. Delta was wrong to praise the law, wrong to now condemn it, and most wrong to lie about it. Whether it's the right or not, it's a bad idea for come to get political. Boom. Cassandra Fairbanks, the Georgia House has passed a bill to strip Delta of their tax breaks. And good for them. Good for fucking them. Brett Hume, this piece is argument cloaked as analysis. Ballot security provisions are treated as voter suppressions, and measures to make voting easier are glossed over. Reader beware. And it's from every media. That's what they get. Stacey Abrams is upset. She released it that she didn't want it. Well, you know what? Go woke, go broke. This is what you get. You are one of those people that made Georgia's, Georgians think that the election system was broken because Governor Kemp stole it. Then you hijacked it, changed all the laws, let motherfuckers vote from other states, won your shit, and now you're upset that people are going, yeah, we need some voter security. You built it. But there's this soundbite that's just gorgeous. I don't know who this reporter is, but I love him. You know, the president had voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in and on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't, I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, qu the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago where we addressed this, and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that part. Fuck me running. If anybody in the Trump administration answered a question, that is abusing the press. Who the fuck are you? But it brings us to a fantastic back-to-back. -back. You're going to hear Tucker, and then we're going to go into a short COVID section. But we're no longer a democracy. We're a corporatocracy. Done as quickly as offense. In a democracy, the people rule. If voters want something done over time, it happens. That's what self-government is. But what do you call a system in which all the major, all the really important decisions are made by big companies without any reference at all to what voters want? Well, that is not democracy. It's corporatocracy. And it's starting to look a lot like what we have now. Here's the latest example. Major League Baseball announced today it's pulling two of the biggest events in sports, the All-Star Game and the MLB Draft, out of the state of Georgia. Now, why is Major League Baseball weighing in on this? Why is it doing it? Well, because voters in the state of Georgia made a decision that the Biden administration doesn't like. 
And as with so many big corporations, Major League Baseball believes it now has veto power over the democratic process. And by the way, it may have veto power. We'll find out. In the case of Georgia, the state passed a law to reduce voter fraud. That law requires voters to provide some form of identification before they cast a mail-in ballot. That identification could be a driver's license or free state-provided ID. Georgia makes it pretty easy to prove who you are. There's nothing crazy about this law. In fact, it's hard to believe it wasn't already on the books in Georgia. It should have been. But when it was proposed, it sailed through the state house. Georgia's House of Representatives approved this bill by a 25-vote margin. The state Senate by a vote of 34 to 24. So unlike, say, Obamacare, it wasn't a squeaker. And you can see why. Nationally, the overwhelming majority of Americans agree with it. They support mandatory photo ID for voting. According to a recent poll by the AP, fully 72% of people in this country believe that required IDs are a good idea. And why wouldn't they think that? You already have to show an ID when you fly in a plane or drive a car, open a checking account, hold a job, live in an apartment, or get a vaccine. But you don't need one to vote? Come on. It's ridiculous. In fact, it's worse than ridiculous. It is sinister. Anyone who opposes voter ID laws is encouraging voter fraud, which is to say encouraging the destruction of democracy. It's that simple. And you can now put Major League Baseball in that category. Baseball was supposed to be America's pastime, happy, unifying, fundamentally non-political. So it's strange to see this happen. How do we get here? It's not at all complicated. We have a new president now, and that president is willing to destroy even something as wholesome as the country's traditional game purely to increase the power of his political party. Just the other day, Joe Biden went on ESPN to demand that professional sports franchises boycott any state whose voters step out of line. I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these, in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. So that's the considered judgment expressed out loud by the President of the United States. Georgia's voter ID law is Jim Crow on steroids. Asking people to show their identity before they vote is worse than segregation and lynching. It's Bull Connor and fire hoses and snarling German shepherds on steroids. You've got to wonder how long our leaders can keep saying things like this, reckless things like this, before they really cause the society to fall apart. Joe Biden seems determined to find out. One thing Biden doesn't seem very interested in is his own home state, Delaware. Unlike Georgia, Delaware has never permitted mass early voting. Apparently, Delaware is a white supremacist state. About 80% of Georgia voters cast their ballots early in last fall. In Delaware, that number was 29%. So why isn't that voter suppression? Why isn't it racism? Well, because Delaware is a one-party state controlled by the Democrats. It's working for them. They're not going to change it. Georgia, by contrast, is a swing state. So, in the estimation of Joe Biden, it is worth using racially divisive lies to win it for his party permanently. According to Joe Biden, the real problem with Georgia's new election law is that it could cause dangerous dehydration. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. 
It's sick. It's sick. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote. Deciding that you're going to end voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Every word of that was false. Maybe the Washington Post will start a Joe Biden lie meter. Just kidding. In fact, the Georgia law bans political organizations from bringing gifts to people who are standing in line to vote. That's called electioneering. It is banned in an awful lot of places, probably where you live. But there is no prohibition in Georgia or anywhere else against people getting water and food in line if it comes from someone other than a political operative, if it comes from a friend or family member, for example. And by the way, they can also bring their own water. Hydrating is still legal in Georgia. As for the claim that this law will end voting at 5 o'clock, that's a lie, too. Wait a second. Joe Biden just said that on TV, so where did he get the idea of voting ends at 5 o'clock? Well, it turns out that the big paper in Atlanta, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, reported that the law would ban voting after 5 o'clock. The paper's reporters apparently hadn't read the law. They had to append this correction to their piece, which effectively was the same as admitting they were repeating talking points without doing any research, which is what they were doing. Here it is, quote, a previous version of this story said the new law would limit voting hours. On election day in Georgia, polling places are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And if you're in line by 7 p.m., you are allowed to cast your ballot. Nothing in the new law changes those rules, end quote. That's the truth, finally appended to a lie. Now, Joe Biden got his research on that bill from reporters who did no research. See how that works? Today at the White House press briefing, one reporter did ask an interesting question. Why is Joe Biden on television demanding a boycott of an American state while not demanding a boycott of China? After all, the Biden administration just declared that China was committing genocide against ethnic minorities. Well, Joe Biden's grumpy little flack wasn't happy about that question. The president have voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in in on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't, I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, qu- the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago where we addressed this and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that part. <laughs> I'm not going to answer the question, so I'm going to pretend that I already did and you didn't hear it because you're dumb. It's your fault. We look, there's no answer. No one at the White House explained why a law against voter fraud in Georgia justifies a boycott, but a genocide in China does not. Doesn't matter. The domestic boycott against Georgia grows anyway. Huge parts of corporate America have joined it. They've decided that Georgia is reinstating Jim Crow. Here's a great one. Coca-Cola, which is based in Atlanta, now tells us that Georgia's anti-voter fraud law is unacceptable. Let me be crystal clear and unequivocal. Uh, This legislation is unacceptable. Uh, It is a step backwards uh, and it does not uh, promote uh, principles we have stood for in Georgia uh, around broad access to voting, around voter convenience, uh, about ensuring uh, election uh, integrity. And this this is frankly just a step backwards. 
Not clear how long the CEO of Coca-Cola has been in this country, but just to restate, just because you run a soft drink company doesn't mean you get to control our democracy. You may not know that. It's a step backward, he told us, which is pretty funny if you think about it. So Coca-Cola is very, very concerned about black people, which makes you wonder, since we're on the subject, how many black people have died in the last hundred years from diabetes caused by Coca-Cola products? We don't have those numbers. Someone ought to find out. We bet money. It's far more than the Minneapolis Police Department has killed ever. And here's the even funnier part. China is one of Coca-Cola's biggest markets. And that's why last year, Kurt Ferguson, who's the president of Coca-Cola Greater China and Korea, went out of his way to praise the Communist Party of China for unleashing the coronavirus on the world. This is a verbatim quote. Thank you very much to the government with your quick, decisive actions. Once again, thank you. You've really controlled a worldwide epidemic and should be very much congratulated for all your hard work. May I kiss your feet? May I slobber on you? Have a coconut smile? Unbelievable. But Coca-Cola wants you to believe that whatever's happening in China, it really cares most about its type 2 diabetes victims here in the United States. Coca-Cola hates discrimination. Okay. So why isn't Coca-Cola saying anything about Phil Scott? He's the governor of Vermont. He's a Republican, by the way. This week, Governor Scott declared that Vermont would be passing out vaccines on the basis of skin color. Vermont wants to check your racial purity before they give you life-saving medicine. Well, that doesn't seem like a good idea or legal or ethical or something that would ever happen in America. Is Coca-Cola okay with that? Apparently they are. You can still get a Diet Coke at Lunig's in Burlington. Great restaurant, by the way. Coke hasn't said a word about it. And neither has Delta, which despite being an airline and not a super PAC, has also decided to condemn Georgia's elections bill. According to the CEO of Delta, people in the black community are upset about the law, so of course Delta is very upset too. This is about protecting the voices of our people. When I, when I speak to our people, particularly within the black community, we're here in Atlanta, we've got a very, very large black employee base, almost universally, they are hurt by the, the law and the legislation that was enacted, and we need to make certain their voices are heard. We spent a lot of time in the last year reaching out to those most vulnerable and telling them that we hear them, that we see them, that their voices matter. And if we can't stand with them now, when will we? Yeah, so he's just reading something the HR department wrote for him, but it doesn't seem like he's paused to think through the implications here. So Delta Airlines operates because U.S. taxpayers and the Congress, lawmakers, our democracy, allow Delta to. You can't just start an airline and run it. You need the cooperation of the public. But part of the deal is if you're Delta Airlines or some other big company benefiting from all the good things that America offers is you're not allowed to override the democracy just because you're rich. You're not allowed to do that. And if you do, maybe we should punish you. Maybe we should. Delta says it's, quote, very large black employee base is almost universally hurt by the law. Really, did you take a poll, Delta? Remarkably, and this is amazing, that's not what Delta was saying about the very same law a few days ago before the Biden administration leaned on them. At the time, Delta issued a statement declaring, quote, the legislation improved considerably during the legislative process and expands weekend voting, codifies Sunday voting, and protects a voter's ability to cast an absentee ballot without offering a reason. Delta even at the time praised the law's protections for ballot drop boxes. Quote, for the first time, drop boxes have also been authorized for all counties statewide and poll workers will be allowed to work across county lines. Okay, before we even get into how they changed their view, again, this is an airline. Why are they weighing in on a voting law? Who do you think you are, Delta Airlines? We should shut you down. 
Now Delta has decided the law doesn't meet its standards. Requiring voter identification, says Delta, is Jim Crow. But wait a minute, you might be wondering, doesn't Delta Airlines require photo ID in order to board its planes? Ooh, that sounds like Jim Crow. Why isn't that racist? Because it's not. Shut up. One of the Democratic Party's top election law enforcers, a trollish man called Mark Elias, tried to answer that question on Twitter. Quote, the new Georgia law will require voters to submit ID to vote by mail, he wrote. If they use their driver's license, they need to provide the number. One of the two numbers below is correct. If they put the other down, it will be rejected. Are you sure you would pick the right one? Elias posted a photograph of a sample driver's license below his tweet, and the implication was pretty clear. According to Mark Elias, black people can't find their driver's license number, even when it's clearly identified on the driver's license card. Mark Elias, like Delta, just doesn't think they can read it. So who's the racist in the story? Seriously, when you treat adults like children, what does that say about how you feel about them? Well, CNN is here to calm you right down, banish those thoughts from your mind. CNN would like to assure you the racist is not the one who believes black people can't navigate a driver's license. No, no, no. The racist is the one who's trying to reduce voter fraud. Those people, CNN just told us, and this is a real tape, are essentially recruiting for the KKK. Jim Crow is making a comeback. The fictional black-faced character from minstrel shows who came to symbolize second-class citizenship for millions of Americans. Every time I wheel about a jump, Jim Crow. Jim Crow is also the name used to describe unequal racial segregation rules that banned black people from eating in white-owned restaurants, staying in white-owned hotels, and fully participating in the election process. Now, as hundreds of new proposals to scale back voter participation in elections make their way through state legislatures, the parallels with the past are inescapable. So CNN literally went to its archives to find footage of minstrel shows. Why does it even have that tape at CNN? We should find out. But just in case the point wasn't clear enough, they put it on the screen. Has propaganda ever, ever been this heavy-handed? You ever seen the official North Korean news site? It has a lighter touch than that. Next, CNN will be announcing Republicans in Georgia as Kulaks and running dog lackey Trotskyist wreckers. That's got to be coming at this pace. One of the people they will call names. I held off first because I wanted to talk about that soundbite. That that sums it up. It started with George Floyd, and now we have a corporatocracy. And he nails every fucking point. What is their business overturning what the American people want? And they want it. Seventy-seven or seventy-five percent of all Americans. Want voter ID. They don't see anything wrong with it. You can vote by mail. You can vote by drops box. You can... I think people would be cool with voting by internet. As long as there's a verification of who you are. And where does that come from? The media. You spent four years saying the election was stolen by Russia. Then you spent 2018 saying Georgia was stolen by fucking GOP suppression. Then you hijacked an election, changed 80 voting laws under the guise of fucking COVID and let people vote in multiple states and all sorts of crazy fucking shit so you could get an old guy in a fucking basement elected and now 
You wonder why people don't trust the system. It's not Trump walking around. You can keep blaming Trump for everything and the reason why you can't get a good burger at Burger King. But this is you, baby. I say it every podcast, North Carolina. Voter fucking harvesting. Ballot harvesting. is They stole an election. And they made him redo it. The GOP guy still won. Same media. Same Pelosi, same Schumer, same Biden. You built this. You said some Russian bot stole an election. Nobody trusts it. It's impossible not to hear it over and over, but you can keep lying. And that's what you're doing. You can keep lying. But the fact remains the same. It didn't ban water. It did what every other state and some of your blue states done worse. You can't electioneer. You can't walk up with the fucking vote Tony Reed bottle right when the person goes in the door. That's standard practice where I live in Oregon and Tennessee. It was standard practice. You can't be within 100 fucking 50 feet of an election polling place. You can't. I mean, there's so many lies off this, and they just get away with it. Because, once again, omission. Why tell the truth? Stay with the fucking narrative. So here's a border. CNN bringing on blackface. Cuomo talking about it. Because, you know, he can't. And then fucking Reed literally lying about Florida COVID. Just signed a letter calling on companies to push back against a wave of states trying to restrict voting rights. More than 40 state legislatures consider such bills one state the opposite direction by expanding access to the ballot box. And joining me now is Virginia's Democratic Governor, Ralph Northam. Governor Northam, thanks for joining us here on New Day. Tell us what the contents of this bill is and why you felt compelled to push it forward. Well, good morning, and I hope you and your viewers are, are doing well. And, you know, just as you mentioned, a lot of states are trying to make it more difficult to vote. We know that voting... Uh, it's really the, the foundation, the, the strength of our democracy. And uh, so we signed uh, some, some laws over the last couple of years. I just signed another law uh, most recently, uh, opening up voting, making it less cumbersome, uh, having 45 days of no excuse absentee voting. We have drop boxes. So um, Virginia has taken the approach that uh, we want to make it less cumbersome. And, you know, this is a business issue, just as you just mentioned. And and I would remind businesses, take a look at what we're doing in, in Virginia. We are open for business. That's one of the reasons why Virginia is the number one state in this country uh, in which to do business. And businesses recognize that. And I say, welcome to Virginia. And I'll introduce you to the most talented workforce in America. Well, it's important because you're taking the opposite step, making expanding access, prohibiting uh, discrimination and, and restrictions. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful counterexample, particularly from a Southern governor. Governor, before we go, two years ago, you were being inundated with calls for your resignation after decades old photos and blackface were discovered. You apologized, you refused to resign, and you've gone on to pass some very significant legislation as governor with high approval ratings. I'm wondering what political lessons you learned from that experience and whether they should apply, in your opinion, to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Well, that was a difficult time for Virginia, and I took accountability for uh, what happened. I, I said that I'm going to bring good from this. Uh, I uh, listened to a lot of people. I, I learned a lot. And as I tell people, John, the more I know, the more I can do. And 
And we have turned a lot of what I learned about into action, whether it be criminal justice reform, police reform, uh, ending the death penalty, uh, uh, doing things like making sure that people don't have their driver's license taken away because they can't pay their court fines. So uh, I'm proud that Virginia stuck with me. And uh, mm -hmm. again, I think we've been able to bring a lot of good from this. To be clear, though, do you think that Governor Cuomo should follow your playbook, as some are calling on him to do? Uh, and or do you think he should resign because of the allegations put forward to him? Well, these allegations are serious, and I, I do believe they need to be investigated. But as far as what happens with Governor Cuomo, uh, that's up to the people of New York. Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia, thank you very much for joining us. It's when Christina was trying to get her parents um, a appointment for the vaccine. It was like NASA in my house. Everybody was on a laptop. Everybody was looking for a cancel appointment. Everybody was scrubbing all these different sites and stuff. Totally different now. Totally yeah. better. Got the Pfizer vaccine yesterday. Uh, Christina and I went. You may have seen me in the tabloids. So I felt fine yesterday. Just a little <laughs> soreness at the spot. Today I had a little bit of a fever and felt almost a little fluish. Uh, Christina, same kind of stuff. Malaise. Normal. And I hear that the second shot, you know, can also make you uncomfortable, but it's better than having uh, COVID. You say I have um, immune memory. I also have, you know how we say in Italian dialect, the gagarel. I got nervous today when I started to get um, those fever symptoms again because it reminded me of being sick. But it's a very different deal this time. Yeah. I just want people to know that what I'm feeling, I'll be yeah. honest about it and honest from you that this is not that abnormal, but it's better than being sick. Uh, we've all learned a painful lesson about I how agree. important I leadership agree. is. Uh, and I'll, I'll be open about it. I was worried about you at that time. You obviously know it, but the audience should also, um, that they would get rid of you because that's all that mattered to him was fealty, yeah. not loyalty to the job or the cause. Yeah. And hopefully we do get to a better place together. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is proud as a peach of his handling of the coronavirus. After ginning up plaudits from Fox News and Politico, the emboldened king of COVID is targeting private businesses that want their customers to provide proof of vaccination. The cruise industry, which is itching to set sail, has announced vaccination requirements for their guests. DeSantis, ostensibly a free market Republican, has vowed to prohibit. So to close COVID out, and then we're going to move on into infrastructure. Vice News, Tucker Carlson spends 12 minutes about Canada's dangerous authoritarianism. And then Nick Searcy puts up a viral video showing the city of Burbank padlocking Tin Horn Flats restaurant. This is what totalitarian looks like. We're doing it. We're taking kids away from parents. Well, we're no different. But CNN, Asha Rapakagagaga. Interesting that so-called libertarians focus exclusively on their individual freedoms, but never on the cost of the negative externalities of their freedom. Whether it's seatbelts, guns, masks, vaccines, refusal to act in the common interest of post significant costs. Yesterday, Mother Vo Vo Jones did a great video on the cost of gun violence. We need to do that for every public health and safety issue. Because these, go these goobers rave about their freedom. They make it more expensive for me and you to live in our lives normally. Failure to vaccine and wear mass, refrain from being a public place until you do increase the likelihood spread of variant, including those of us who try and take precautions, which means more lockdowns, school closures, more health care costs. Don't want a vaccine passport? Fine. How about a tax for those who refuse to get vaccinated? Proportional to the additional costs and burdens they impose on society as a result of needing to have the freedom to spread their potentially COVID variant infected aerosols everywhere. That's what fascism looks like.
Who the fuck are you as a journalist to tell other people how you live? And then if the mask works, why do you fucking care? If you're vaccinated, why do you fucking care? What is it your business telling other people how to live? And once again, I'm not a vaxxer and I'm not an anti-masker. I wear my mask. Right now, me and my wife yesterday went out. We went to lunch. We went junkin'. We're the only people in masks. Only. We live in. A, we went to a county that had like five cases ever. Nobody was masked. Shopkeepers weren't masked. They didn't demand you to wear a mask. At dinner, nobody was wearing a mask. Not our waitress. Not the cooks. I didn't jump up and scream. I wore my mask in. I wore my mask out to the latrine while I was there. I wore my mask out. I washed my hands. This is America. America used to be formed on the idea of individual freedoms. Let people live their own goddamn lives. Because of all the fucking kabuki theater bullshit that you're talking about, is real. Wearing a mask won't matter. And you're saying if you're vaccinated, still wear a mask. Wear your mask, live your life, and shut the fuck up. I'm not playing infrastructure from the people I'm going to play Tucker Carlson. A lot of Tucker today. Sorry, it's some good segments. This is why I've said everybody who said Trump so bad, you got to vote for Biden. Don't worry, the system will work bullshit. This is on you. This is all on you. If you dutifully watch Joe Biden sputter through his announcement of the administration's $2 trillion infrastructure plan yesterday, you may have been left with some questions. First, and most obviously, is this really about infrastructure, bridges, roads, airports, things we could actually use? Or is it yet another weird climate scheme slash power grab slash race-based redistribution plan? What exactly is this? And by the way, $2 trillion sounds like a lot for anything. Won't that kind of spending cause hyperinflation? If you print money like it's not worth anything, doesn't the value of that money decline? Normal people may have had questions like those, but thankfully the New York Times was on the scene to quell all doubt. The New York Times approached Joe Biden's plan with the enthusiasm of Izvestia applauding yet another record Soviet potato harvest. Quote, Biden plan stresses jobs, roads, and growth. Read one of the New York Times' four separate front page headlines this morning. Two trillion for once in a generation fix of infrastructure, read another headline. <laughs> That's real. Ron Klain, the tech lobbyist turned White House chief of staff, was so grateful for the backup from the Times that he tweeted out the front page this morning. America, let's go win the future, Klain wrote. Let's go win the future, America. What does that future look like? Well, let's be clear from the outset that this plan, whatever its merits, will not make your commute easier. Only about 5% of that $2 trillion will actually go to roads and bridges. So 5% on infrastructure 95% on social engineering. That's what Joe Biden calls a once-in-a-lifetime infrastructure bill. And he's right about part of it. It is once-in-a-lifetime. If this bill passes, the next generation will live in a very different country. Now, before we tell you what's in the bill, one word about who's going to pay for it. In fact, we only need one word, and the word is you. Taxes are going up dramatically. And they didn't have to, actually. Tax revenues no longer fund the ambitions of our political class. Have you noticed? The Federal Reserve funds them. 
When politicians want something, they just print the money. It's called modern monetary theory. They've been doing this for years and it's accelerating. So there's no actual reason to raise taxes anymore for anything. But Joe Biden wants to raise taxes to punish you, and he plans to do that. The administration is calling for a tax increase of about $3 trillion over 10 years. That includes taxes on individual income and investments, as well as on corporations. This would make the first major tax hike in 28 years. But it's actually a much bigger tax hike than anything we saw under the Clinton administration. In 1993, taxes amounted to only about half a percent of GDP. This plan would come to roughly three times that, about $300 billion a year. That's 1.3% of GDP. So you'd have to go all the way back to 1968 to find a bigger tax increase. It's a big deal. You have any questions? <laughs> no questions allowed. Joe Biden doesn't want to answer questions. And he doesn't have to because it's an emergency. In emergencies, you do what you're told. What I'm proposing is a one-time capital investment of roughly $2 trillion in America's future spread largely over eight years. Put simply, these are investments we have to make. We can afford to make them. Put another, we can't afford not to. All this can be yours, America, for just $2 trillion. We can't afford not to spend $2 trillion, says Joe Biden, like the used car salesman he is at heart. Biden knows he's not gonna be paying a dime. People like Joe Biden avoid taxes. Joe Biden avoids taxes, in fact. In 2017 and 18, Joe Biden and his wife dodged payroll taxes on more than $13 million that they got through speaking fees and book royalties. How'd they do that? Did you? You probably didn't. They did. The Wall Street Journal reported that the Bidens, quote, classified the income as S-corporation profits rather than taxable wages. Are you surprised? Oh, come on. Corporations are going to pay for it. Yeah, if only. We'd support it if that were the case. But they're not. Corporate interests put Joe Biden in the White House. They design his policy. They sign off on every part of it, just as the credit card companies in Delaware once did. And so they'll be fine. Corporations shelter most of their money from taxes. A lot of ways. And when it costs, they pass the costs along to the workers in the form of lower wages and to customers in the form of higher prices. That's not a secret. Economists know that. And so does Joe Biden. So none of this is going to hurt Amazon. That's why Amazon's for it. But Joe Biden isn't interested in getting into the details like the math. He'd like you to know that this bill is going to turn America into a scene from the Jetsons. Imagine what we can do, what's within our reach if we modernize those highways. You and your family could travel coast to coast without a single tank of gas on board a high-speed train. We can connect high-speed, affordable, reliable internet wherever you live. Imagine knowing that you're handing your children and grandchildren a country that will lead the world in producing clean energy technology and will need to address one of the biggest threats of our time. That's what we'll do. Flying cars? Teleport machines? Sadly not. But we are going to modernize those highways. And honestly, a lot of them could use it. But what does modernizing highways mean exactly? What are the details on that? Well, the Washington Post gave us some idea. According to the paper, an activist called Amy Stelly has been demanding the removal, not the building, the removal of a highway in New Orleans that cuts through her neighborhood. She thinks that highway, called the Claiborne Expressway, is bad. It's an eyesore, and it contributes to pollution in her neighborhood. And for years, she's demanded that local leaders get rid of it, but they've refused. People use it. It's an important stretch of road in New Orleans. But now the White House and Joe Biden's infrastructure plan have decided that highway 
is an example of, quote, historic inequity. And that can be solved by billions in new spending. In other words, it's a racist highway, so you've got to pay to tear it down. Amy Stelly was enthused by this. I'm floored, she said. I'm thrilled to hear President Biden call out the Claiborne Expressway as a racist highway. Yeah, and not just racist, sexist and transphobic too. That highway is a Jim Crow dog whistle for white supremacy, not to mention QAnon insurrections. Got to tear it down. Expect a lot more highways to meet that face. fate. People who believe highways are racist are going to get tens of billions of dollars as part of this plan, as long as they're in what the Biden administration calls underserved communities. The entirety of this infrastructure plan looks more like a mashup of intersectional theory from Wesley and then some kind of South African-style spoil system. We saw a taste of that earlier this year when Joe Biden sent billions of dollars to African-American farmers in this country purely because of how they look. Now, that's illegal. It's immoral. It's completely divisive, but it's just the beginning. In his infrastructure bill, Joe Biden calls pretty strongly for sending $25 billion to historically black universities, another, quote, minority-serving institutions for research and development. Now, you may think it's a good idea. You should have to explain why, but it's not infrastructure. He'd also like to eliminate, quote, exclusionary zoning, barriers to producing affordable housing. So that means that your neighborhood may have to make way for multifamily dwellings. You don't want multifamily dwellings in your neighborhood? doesn't matter because it's equity. Shut up, racist. And there's more where that came from. Joe Biden would like to spend $100 billion for workplace development to, quote, reduce racial inequities in job training and hiring. Huh? That doesn't sound like eliminating racial discrimination in hiring. It sounds like mandating it. And it is. But wait a second. You may be wondering, what does hiring people with certain skin colors have to do with infrastructure? Sorry to keep bringing us back to the point, but the point was supposed to be infrastructure. It's not really. And Democrats aren't really pretending it is anymore. They're in charge, and this is their chance to take total control of the economy, and they're going to use it. We understand to save our democracy and to evolve into the multiracial democracy that we are, we have to take a holistic approach. So we spoke about infrastructure in alignment with the Green New Deal, ending our dependence on fossil fuels within the next 10 years. We spoke about education and fully funding our public and canceling student debt. We spoke about repealing the Hyde Amendment, a federal jobs guarantee. We spoke about a variety of issues in alignment with the progressive priorities that the people of this country are demanding. So this is why you don't want the theory people in charge of anything, especially the dumb theory people like the one you just saw. Sleazeball politicians of old would make the case, vote for me and I'll fix the potholes. Now, they may have stolen some of the money you sent them, but in the end, they had to fix the potholes. They promised that they would, and your commute got a little better. These people are not interested in fixing the potholes. No, it's about saving our democracy and evolving into a multiracial democracy, as if we haven't already done that, by the way. It's also about something called the Green New Deal. That's what this is. And it's not simply one deranged, theory-addled member of Congress admitting it. According to the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, former mayor of South Bend, <laughs> former Rhodes Scholar and McKinsey consultant. We need this infrastructure bill to end hurricanes. In the United States, transportation is the leading contributor to climate change, contributing to a pattern of extreme weather events, which takes a severe toll on our infrastructure. Every dollar we spend rebuilding from a climate-driven disaster is a dollar we could have spent building a more competitive, 
modern and resilient transportation system that produces significantly lower emissions. <laughs> so according to climatologist Pete Judge, wait, we thought he was a McKinsey consultant. No, 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 he's a climate expert. Not even the climate experts understand the climate. That's how complex it is, but Pete Buttigieg does. And he's telling you it's the roads that are causing hurricanes. We never had them before roads. He's going to fix that. And that explains why there is $46 billion in this bill for the federal government to buy electric vehicles. Now, FBI agents can arrest you for sedition while driving Teslas. But wait a second, you ask, aren't those Teslas powered by electricity made in part by coal plants? Yeah, whatever. Shh. Insurrectionist. This is the New York Times when Trump wanted to do infrastructure. Oh, deficit. This is the New York Times when Biden wants to do it. How, how he's embraced it. He's embracing things, boys and girls. Embracing. Yes, we are embracing, embracing, embracing. But it has nothing to do with infrastructure. You knew it had nothing to do with infrastructure. We all knew it had nothing to do with infrastructure. It was just all about Green New Deal. And they can't get the Green New Deal through because if you do it as the Green New Deal, Democrats don't even want to do it. So how do you do it? You do it as a budgetary thing that you can do under reconciliation. Yeah. The only way they can do it under 51 votes is to do it as a budgetary. Because if they passed it on what it is, it would never get passed. They couldn't do it that way unless they killed the filibuster. Which I just, why don't they just do it? They, they're getting pushed to do it. They just, I don't know what's taking so long for them to do it, but they haven't, they haven't done it. They're, they're, eventually they will because they won't be able to do the other stuff. But he sneezes, he squeezes all this in under budgetary and he can vote it at 50 plus one. Unless Manchin or somebody else wakes the fuck up from their nap and says, wait a minute, why is only like $600 billion actually going to roads and the rest of it is all Green New Deal craziness that we all laughed at uh, a couple of years ago? I mean, come the fuck on. Come the fuck on. This fucking shit, man. This is what you get when you go, fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. I, I fuck these guys because they didn't help Trump. And that's the people down in Georgia. Fuck Trump, man. We need to get rid of Trump. The system will work. It's going to work. It's going to protect us. It clearly hasn't. And this is how CNN covered it. Infrastructure was a Trump punchline, but in a window into Biden, it's a window into Biden's soul. Fuck me, man. North Korea much? Everybody carried it this way. Everybody. America, let's go win the future. Ron Klein. After years of pushing lies, a Democrat newsletter, New York Times, pushes so much Democrat propaganda today on its front page, it's literally just being tweeted out like a press release by the White House. The media are corrupt partisan propagandists. Treat them as such. That's Molly Hemingway. Biden plan stretches jobs, jobs, roads, and growth. No, it doesn't. It presses the Green New Deal. That's what it is. 
I, I can't even. Washington Post. Uh, some say Bill's emphasis on major fiscal infrastructure investment reflects a dated nostalgia for white working class male workers. How much more in a bill do you need to be for your woke asses? AOC, we should be doing $10 because it's a money tree. I just, I, 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 I look at this stuff and just go, why would you vote for this guy? How bad was Trump? He wasn't this bad. Amtrak's response, because we're in a corporatocracy. Proposed 30 plus new routes, 20 plus enhanced existing routes, 20 million more annual riders, better service to cities like Houston, Atlanta, Cincy, new service to unserviced cities like Las Vegas, Nashville. So we're going to finance a train system that nobody's going to use because nobody's giving up the cars. They're going to give them fucking all electric cars. We're paying for it. A bunch of chargers for cars that nobody owns because they won't. And, and to, to be quite honest, were you surprised? I wasn't surprised. I knew all. I, I said all this shit would come down. Delusional. Joe Biden says raising taxes will make the economy functional better and create more energy. Raising taxes will not slow the economy, replies POTUS to a reporter's question. He snarled. Listen to this. Is there a risk, sir, if raising taxes could slow the economy? Raising taxes will not slow the economy at all. Asking corporate America just to pay their fair share will not slow the economy at all. It will, it will make the economy function Better and will create more energy. With the Texas Create create more energy. And to show you that I wasn't far off on my theory that every anti-Trumper has gone all the way over now because it's exposure therapy. Bill Crystal, Republicans, hey, we decided we're a working class party. Biden, hold my domestic non-craft beer. Here's a proposal to spend lots of money, a fair amount, which will benefit the working class, paid for by tax increases on corporation and wealthy. Republicans, oh no. Five years ago, that man was anti-big government. Five years ago. Five. But now, Owen. Biden just is one big unicorn wrapped in a rainbow. He's perfect because he's been batting left-handed for fucking four years. He doesn't know how to switch hit again and go, okay, we need infrastructure. Sure we do. But this isn't about infrastructure. This is all the big race lie. It's just a race lie that our system our form of energy, um, everything that that fucking nut job in some goddamn college came up with about intersectionality draped over every cause the left wants so that they can call you a fucking racist and get what they want. That's all this is. And it's perfectly enunciated by Ben Shapiro. When it comes to the Biden administration, the, the Biden administration is rooted in dishonesty. They're rooted in dishonesty in that they are not transparent with the American people, but they are also rooted in dishonesty because their fundamental ideology is just a dishonest ideology. There's a tweet that came out not from the Biden administration, but is indicative of how the Biden administration thinks about policy. And we've talked about the equity ideology of the Biden administration before. They've said over and over and over again 
that every element of this administration is going to be shot through with equity. And equity, of course, is just a euphemism for racial preference. Because the fact of the matter is that equality is about whether we all are being given access to individual rights protected by government and pre-existing government. Right? That is what equality is about. Equity is about the idea that if two groups have unequal outcomes, this must be because of some systemic prejudice. This must be because of something in the system that is bad. And what this does is it removes individual responsibility. So if you live in a free system and you are given equal rights, your rights are protected by the government. Like you have the right to life, you have the right to liberty, you have the right to keep and bear arms, you have the right to freedom of the press and freedom of religion. If all those rights are protected and then you end up unsuccessful in a free country, then the baseline notion for most rational people would be maybe your personal actions had something to do with your level of unsuccess. Maybe your choices had something to do with where you ended up. But for the left, those choices don't matter at all because you have to understand that in Marxist theory, virtually all human choices are shaped by the systems in which we live. Right? This is why Marx suggested that all of the problems in Western society were created by capitalism. All we would have to do is shift the systems in which we live, and this would mold a brand new humanity in which everyone would be able to succeed along the lines they saw fit without regard to the kinds of choices they were making. They would simply stop making bad choices because those bad choices are the product of the system. Now, what this does is it removes individual responsibility from people. Now, when you take this to the racial sphere, when you start suggesting that people are not responsible for their individual actions based on race, you sound like a white supremacist. And the fact is that much of the ideology of wokeism, much of the ideology of equity sounds exactly like the ideology of David Duke. The idea that black people are incapable of making free and independent decisions. And therefore, any bad decision that is made by black Americans is to be attributed to the system at large. This sounds like a removal of agency from black people that is not only inappropriate, it is racist in and of itself. Because as it turns out, black people are the same as everybody, people of every other color. We are all capable of making individual decisions, and we are all responsible for the individual decisions we make. But the left's equity ideology is rooted in that fundamental lie, which is that certain types of people in America are not responsible for their personal decisions. So Eugene Gu, who is this Stanford-trained doctor and, of course, was a, a big push. Uh, he was a big pusher of a sort of COVID lockdown, very woke guy. He tweeted this out the other day, and I thought that this is, this is so indicative of how so much of the left thinks, because it is mainstream left-wing thought at this point. He tweeted out, black on Asian crimes only occur because of our system of white supremacy that strips African-Americans of their economic opportunities while taking respect and dignity away from Asian-Americans. Also, white people in power are experts at dividing and conquering to stay in power. So presumably he was speaking about this case that we discussed yesterday on the program in New York City, where a man beat the living hell out of an Asian woman on the street. And it turns out that this particular man happened to be a black man. And that frankly is not supremely surprising in New York City, because as it turns out, a disproportionate number of people who have been victimizing Asian American people are young black people. So Eugene Gu's solution to this, his explanation of this is that black people have no agency. Black people are not capable of making decisions, you see. And because black people are not capable of making decisions, all of America's structures must be changed so as to make all outcomes equivalent. Right? Equal rights no, no longer matter. We're going to have to make decisions for you. We're going to have to be paternalistic. We're going to make decisions for you so that your outcome is equivalent to everybody else's outcome. And if you do something wrong, we're simply going to relieve you of the responsibility. Like David Duke, except in reverse. Right? David Duke says that black people have no agency because black people are inferior. The wokists say black people have no agency because black people are inferior because white people have made them inferior. How about this? Black people aren't inferior. 
How about black people are just the same as every other individuals in American life? They're just as responsible for their own individual decisions. They are just as capable of success. They're just as capable, as it turns out, of not beating up Asian Americans on the street. And thus, if an individual person beats up an Asian American, no matter the race, that person should be held fully responsible for their level of hatred. And by the way, his entire argument, Eugene Gu here, that black on Asian crimes only occur because of white supremacy is utterly insane. On its face, it's crazy. It turns out that the man who is busted now for the attack on this Asian American woman is named Brandon Elliott. He is 38. And as it turns out, he was arrested in 2002 for the murder of his own mother in the Bronx. And then because of our idiotic criminal justice system, it turns out after, after you murder mommy, you somehow get out on parole. I don't even know how that's possible. How do you murder your mother? And then you were like 17 years late. Well, I guess, you know, it's been 17 years. I mean, I guess mom is gone for a while. We'll, we'll let him back up. Within a year of him, within a year and a half of him getting out on parole for having murdered his mother, the guy is beating up people on the streets. What does that have to do with white supremacy exactly? The answer is it has nothing to do with white supremacy. But none of that matters because people are not responsible for their own decisions so long as they are of particular races in America, particularly victimized races in America historically. We'll get to more of this in just one second because this is the root lie that lies at the heart of so much of the Biden administration ideology. It is a racist lie about black people being deprived of agency. It's the lie that Robin DeAngelo will tell you. It's the lie that Ibram X. Kendi will tell you. It is the lie that black people are somehow inferior and incapable of making personal decisions. And it's idiotic, it's wrong, it's disgusting, and it is vicious toward black Americans. The lie that certain people in America are incapable of personal decision-making. We're not talking about people who have some sort of actual disability. We are talking about simply based on your race, you are incapable of making a decision for which you can be held responsible. This is now implicit in so much of left-wing talking points. And the most obvious place in which this is, is implicit, it's not even implicit, it's almost explicit, is the way the left will talk about voting. So right now, the left's case is that any Republican attempt to create a regimen of voter ID, where we can actually verify where you are from, or to limit in some way early voting, this is somehow racist. The idea implicit here is that somehow this is going to directly affect black people specifically. Why? Are black people incapable of getting a voter ID? That's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Are black people incapable of voting on the day of elections? Of course not. What exactly is racist about seeking better voter verification standards? And so the, the based on this original lie, what you will see piled up are more lies, right? So the original lie is that certain people in America are not capable of making certain decisions, which is not true. And then rooted in that lie, you'll see lies about the policies that are being promulgated. Stacey Abrams, of course, has been a big proponent of the idea that massive voter suppression is happening across the country. This is simply not the case. There is not massive voter suppression. It's amazing. Throughout 2020, we kept hearing that Donald Trump was saying things that were untrue about voting, about voter fraud and voter irregularity. And I said, okay, well, he has to provide proof of voter fraud and voter irregularity if we are going to believe that. The media agreed. Okay, but then the media would say, voter suppression is widespread. It's happening across the country. There is no evidence of widespread voter suppression in the United States. This is not a reality. Black Americans overrepresent their percentage of the population in a wide variety of swing states when it comes to voting. The, the, the notion that Georgia was being victimized by voter suppression is a lie. The notion that voter suppression was taking place in 2012 or 2016 or 2020, it's not true. But the media pushed that narrative. Why? Because the idea was that if they didn't get their way, it must be due to America's racist systems. It's always the racist system that is depriving certain individuals of choice, even though in a free country, people are capable of the choice. So you see 
That's a much longer clip, but I cut it down. And I think it buttonhorns into what they really don't want to talk about. And this is it right here. This is what's wrong with the black community. The black community knows it's their problem. Unwed mothers that leads to kids joining gangs and all the other problems. But they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Biden wants to play his little games. And the race hustlers want to do this. Donald Trump has left the White House, and that means the Republican Party has to figure out why it exists. What does it stand for? At least one member of Congress has thought very seriously about what the Republican Party is today and where it ought to go. He's written a memo about it that you should read. We'll tell you about it after the break. Well, crime in Los Angeles, our second biggest city, has hit record levels. That includes organized crime, serious. But our own Bill Malugin reported that Los Angeles's Soros-backed DA, George Gascon, is eliminating his city's gang unit. Fox Ellie's Bill Malugin is here to explain this story. Kind of shocking. Bill, good to see you. Tucker, good to see you as well. This is really just the latest move that our new progressive DA, George Gascon, has made to really just upend the criminal justice system here in Los Angeles. My sources in the DA office's hardcore gangs unit tell me they were all called to a 4 p.m. meeting yesterday afternoon with their upper management, and they were essentially told that their unit is being gutted severely downsized. There's going to be a name change. Uh, apparently, they were told George Gascon wants to reimagine the unit, make it more community-based, and that the prosecutors in the unit, very elite prosecutors, I would add, are going to start getting transfer notices that they're going to be divvied up through the rest of the office as this unit is, is downsized. And the hardcore gang unit is one of the oldest in the office. It's one of the most elite. They prosecute the most serious and complex gang-related cases here in Los Angeles County. We're talking mostly murders, mostly attempted murders, um, the most complex ones, and they're very violent. And they have 700 active cases open right now. And this, is, uh, this announcement was just made yesterday. So now the people in the unit are essentially saying, what's going to happen to these cases? What's going to happen to our unit? They were apparently told that George Gascon doesn't like the name of the unit, the hardcore gang unit. They believe, uh, he believes uh, it's kind of offensive to the community. And the critics of this say this is going to be an absolute disaster for public safety because we already have a huge gang problem here in Los Angeles. Our violence is surging. Our homicides are surging. And take a listen to what one prosecutor who was in that meeting yesterday told me. He asked us for anonymity, but this is essentially what they were told during that meeting. The unit is going away. It will be renamed. At least a statement essentially saying that this is going to be an absolute disaster for public safety here in Los Angeles. He says gang crime is already shooting through the roof. And he said, quote, this is not reform. It's beginning to look more and more like a suicide pact. And it didn't end there. I was also told by folks in the narcotics unit, the major narco unit, they had their own meeting at three o'clock and they were told their unit is being cut in half. So two specialized units being severely downsized here in Los Angeles. George Gascon's office never responded when I reached out for comment. We'll send it back to you. Bill, thank you. We're taking a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And we want you to think up during that time why Shaven didn't in that time get his knee up. What? What does that do to help? Airing that whole trial. Cheryl Ackerson, who killed Ashley Babbitt? We don't even know who did that. She's a woman, but it doesn't matter. 
New York Times. The, the heading on this, Trump wasn't wrong, they are the enemy. New York Times. The 12 members and two alternates in the Derek Chauvin trial remain anonymous and their faces can't be shown on camera. Here's what we do know about them. So that if they don't do what we want them to do, which is make a guy go for murder when it's not there, we got him. Black lawmakers, Florida new anti-riot bill, a heartless return to Jim Crow. Everything's Jim Crow. Do they actually know what Jim Crow was? Do they know that Jim Crow was by Democrats? What you need, this is Axios. What you need to know about Florida's controversial anti-riot bill. Um, the so-called anti-riot bill that cleared the House along party lines after weeks of opposition for social justice groups and hours of debate faces an uncertain future in the Senate. Why it matters. The bill would increase penalties for crimes committed during a violent protest and it would create a new felonies for organizing or taking part in a violent demonstration. The sweeping bill would be create roadblocks for local governments to tr- trim police spending. Black lawmakers hate the bill, calling it a heartless return to Jim Crow. Jim Crow. The framework was laid out by Governor Ron DeSantis last year following largely peaceful protests. So they're just making this up. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, we're no longer talking about Muhammad Anwar because why would we? It doesn't fit the narrative. We move the fuck on. There are, um, Hunter Walker, there are a lot of far-right commentators sharing this horrific story and highlighting the fact that perpetrators are black. Anyone who truly thought Omar's life mattered would not use his death to make straw man arguments, some related pro, uh, political argument. Waji Ali, my latest. Why does the right allegedly care so much about Muhammad Anwar, a Pakistani Muslim immigrant killed during a carjacking, distract from you the Derek Chauvin trial and attack black communities? Please read and share. No. No, I won't. No, I won't. No. If your whole thing is, is there racial problems, we need to take away all our guns, well then that's it. Breaking Orange County, California mass shooter identified as a Madab Galaxio Gonzalez, 44. You never heard of him. Ever. And they have the most restrictive gun laws. And then last but not least, I, I didn't get this in. I'm owed a three-day cycle over the eagle on the flag. Joe Biden went down and fucked up all sorts of fucking Spanish and stood in front of a flag that looked like it came from the Nazis. Now, it's part of the Mexican state flag she was in. But every fucking time we could find any link, including CPAC stage, the media went on Nazi! We're owed three days a Nazi. Let's get woke. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Now as we start all this racist stuff, 
I want to go back to the previous soundbite because I forgot with Tucker talking about Gascon and gangs. That disproportionately affects black family who will have murders, damage, and theft to them as gangs fuck their shit up. But no, we're going to disband it in California because it's racist. Stopping gangs is racist. People who murder people, who people have to murder people to get in the gang. But that's racist. The fuck is wrong with you for not thinking that's racist? Here's the root, and I've been sitting on this for a while. Why white people hate critical race theory explained. They're back. A Monday, Chris Brown, not wanting to do two bills, blah, blah, blah. Everybody from preachers to teachers is talking about it. Arkansas, Tom Cotton involved legislation to ban it from the military. School boards, blah, blah, blah. It's a dead, a dreaded critical race theory. Not since Reverend Jeremiah Wright insisted God doesn't like racism as one phrase caused so much consternation. CRT has become the conservative equivalent of black Santa Claus delivering a little Negro mermaid while telling little white kids that Jesus was born with melanin. It's not what Dr. Martin Luther King would have wanted. So to separate truth from white lies, we decided to offer this simple explainer. Is there a backlash against critical race theory? If you mean one that is sanctioned by the federal, state, and local authorities, then yes. Under the Trump administration, blah, blah, blah. Critical race theory is basically teaching people to hate our country, blah, blah, blah. Harvard Kennedy School Sorenston Center says the term became the subject of GOP disinformation campaign as the Trump administration turned against it. Using CRT, the Georgia legislature would have considered the historical and structural factors of voter suppression before passing their draconian law. Um... They have some tweets. What is critical race theory? Basically, critical race theory is a way of using race as a lens through which one can critically examine social structures. While initially used to study law like most critical theory, it emerges a lens through which one could understand and change politics, economics, and society as a whole. So that's what they say. Fact it's exactly what I said it is. It's what every conservative pundit person you've ever heard talk about it says. It was just a way to get race involved into gay issues and Green New Deal issues and infrastructure bills and borders and everything. Until Obama, the biggest key that the left has, and, and we show it up here, yeah, let me get to it. Sorry. Yeah. What is the problem? Oh, I went back to guns. Sorry. Oh, a bunch of dicks. Shut up. If you're losing an argument, tell the person they're racist. That was the best thing the left ever had. They knew it. The gay mafia knew it. So if you interchange it into every issue you have, you're going to shut everybody up. You're going to cancel people. You're going to get them fired. You could say that they're racist. I mean, the simple thing of the Green New Deal that energy is racism is the most racist thing I've ever seen. Because you're saying black people don't have energy. They don't drive cars. They don't have phones. They don't use electricity. They live in fucking caves. I mean, who the fuck says that? I mean, it's almost as bad as they don't know how to use an ID card. But that's the reason why we have critical race. It's just to interlay race over everything, make everything a monolith on the left. And I showed the pictures. It's even in our everything is racist. All the lines, it just connects the dots for them. 
School board VP who says Asian American students use white supremacist thinking to get ahead, suing school district, city, and maybe 50 other people for spiritual damage to her fucking soul. She's white. Loudoun County VA School Committee Chair writes an email that teachers against critical race theory cannot be tolerated. And there you go. I win. I win. There you go. It's why this next subject, race is so part of the BIPOC bullshit. Hey, 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 bow, 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 little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Has been effectively eliminated from American universities. Colleges are teaching students that the subject is subjective, which means not real. There's no absolute. If someone identifies as a woman, that person is a woman. If that person says his or her pronoun is they or Z, you got to call them they or Z. And if you disagree, if you believe in biology, if you have some attachment to English grammar, you are punished. And that's what happened to Nicholas Merriweather. He's a professor at Shawnee State University in Ohio, and the school reprimanded him in 2016 to referring to a student as Mr. instead of Miss. Administrators also forced Merriweather to use made-up pronouns like Z and XE, we're not sure how to pronounce that, or TUR. He was told to avoid gendered terms like mother and father. Well, like a lot of people in this country, Nicholas Merriweather was bullied by lunatics, but he rarely decided to fight back. He filed a First Amendment lawsuit, and he just won his case in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. We're happy to have Nicholas Merriweather join us tonight, along with Kristen Wagoner, who's the senior legal counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Thank you both so much for coming on. Um, so first to, uh, first to you, Professor, that's, um, it, it's amazing that you won. I never think of people as fighting back against this. What made you decide to take them to court? Well, basically, if I had not, I would have been fired. I would have been terminated. That was one reason. It wasn't the only reason. The other reason was, as you say, as you just said, I think we need to stand up against it. And I did. I do think that we are losing our academic freedom. We're losing our freedom to disagree. And unless and until people stand up to it, I think it's just going to get much, much worse, much, much faster. Kristen, yeah. tell us what the legal what the, the the legal precedent set in this case is that others can use to win. Well, we won on both free speech and free exercise grounds, and the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals said very clearly that the use of titles and pronouns is a part of a debate that this nation is engaging in right now, and that those terms are infused with great meaning, that it's mm -hmm. not the government's role to set the terms of that debate or to weigh in on one side or the other. In fact, the court's decision actually referenced what would happen if the government demanded ideological purity. It used examples like the government could then force a pacifist, for example, to have to support war. It could force a civil rights icon to criticize the Freedom Riders. Or it could even force a Christian to deny the existence of God. Those are examples that the Sixth Circuit itself recognized. And it basically said if the government has that kind of power, it can essentially do almost anything it wants. That power is unlimited. 
Without intersectionality, the 0.7% craziness would be nowhere. Because the majority of people don't. I don't care how many times you put up the fucking goddamn... What, what's that? Uh, I can't remember the, the three-headed beast and fucking Godzilla lore of dicks over here. You wouldn't be able to fucking even do this. Majority of people don't even know a trans person. It's such a small demographic. The only smaller demographic in our country is guys like me who went to the wars. We're 0.5%. But we don't get to use intersectionality. This is a gay chef, trainee chef person. If you can't accept your child for who they are, they're telling you they are, then you have no business being a parent. Really. Padina Lashinka, Shaka, Shamasha, whatever the fuck. I literally thought I was I was a ninja turtle when I was five. Was one of the people. I mean, what the fuck? And then you have this guy. I guess it was Matt Walsh. Jesse says he realized his five-year-old son was a girl because his son hated haircuts, like the scene in the Jungle Book where the bear wears a skirt, and said that he's a girl with a penis. Right after his mom told him that some girls have penises. If you have, you see no problem in here. You have real problems. I'm, I'm gonna go over my face because um, we'll get to that in a second, and we'll get to that in a second because I got these out of order. Order. Jesse Thorne. I'm the parent of a trans kid. I want to clarify what that means as best I can because a lot of folks don't know or make incorrect presumptions. And we're gonna blow this up. My daughter is nine. She was born, we assumed she was a boy, gave her a boy name, called her he. We gave her all kinds of toys. She generally preferred the ones our culture associates with boys, like building toys, trucks, and robots. She hated getting haircuts and always wanted her hair long, like my wife's, but we just figured kids hate haircuts. She loved the Jungle Book, especially the part where Babu, the bear, dresses up in a hula skirt. But what kid doesn't love that? When she started kindergarten, my wife was bathing her, and an adult friend of ours had just come out as trans. And my wife mentioned that not all girls have vaginas, and not all boys have penises. Our daughter asked, some girls have penises? My wife said, yes, whether you were a boy or girl, wasn't about your private parts. I'm a girl with a penis, my daughter said. I'm a girl with my penis. Yeah, that's that's a real thing too. That that's a real thing too. They should be getting to the front of the line for COVID because they're gay. That's from the LA Times. Article in here. I'm sorry, but this thread is fucking insane. It's doubtly fucking insane, doubly fucking insane. There's so many journalists and other blue checks are lavishing praise upon it. You have to read the entire thread. It's jaw dropping. I'm not linking it because I don't want to be accused of promoting harassment or whatever. This person says his kid socially transitioned in kindergarten, and they're already preparing to give the kid puberty blockers. This person is some sort of podcast host, and his wife just happened to be selling a children's book on gender identity. What convenient marketing. The key thing in there is the parent. It's just like the case in Texas. The parent puts it in the kid's head. I have a grandson that is effeminate as shit. He's not effeminate when he's around me, or when he was around me, around his mother, who's 
gay but married and has kids and just one of those social media people that need the recognition. A wife goes over the Facebook and all she sees is him putting lipstick on, saying men are beautiful. That's not him. That's his mother. For the record, I give a fuck if he turned trans or not, if he was gay. I don't give a fuck if he turned into unicorns. My grandson, I miss him. But the point is, these kids don't get this shit on their own. They get it from the left, who wants to indoctrinate people on the woke. And they get it from social media because we spend all our time literally lavishing praise on people on social media who are the point. 7%. This LA Times columnist literally said, why don't they get to the front line? Meanwhile, California, like most states, has focused most of its vaccine equity effort on closing income rates and ethnicity gap with scant attention to sexual orientation. I thought it should be old people, but what do I know? What do I know? I put these in all wrong. I'm really sorry. Uh, Where the fuck is the one I'm looking for? I don't even have it. That fucking sucks. Shit. So, Dick Cheese Biden displays transgender flag at White House to celebrate Day of Visibility. And then I find this. Dear President Biden, I created the trans flag. Please tell our embassies to fly it. The trans woman, who's a dude, looks just like a dude, doesn't even try to look like a girl, was created the most prominent transgender pride flag has asked new president, can you allow embassy to fly the flag? My name is Monica Helms, and I'm a trans woman who created the transgender pride flag in 99. I understand the State Department will allow embassies to fly the rainbow pride flag once again. I'm requesting the embassies also fly the transgender pride flag alongside the rainbow flag in solidarity with the trans community. Trans people in many countries are being murdered at an alarming rate, especially in places like Brazil, Mexico, and African and Latin American countries. Whoa, 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 whoa. Elizabeth Warren says there's a genocide in the United States because 18 trans people were killed by their spouse with her, who were gay. But, you know, once again, just like black people being Asians. Facts? Shut the fuck up, you bigot. We have been vilifying and discriminating over the last four years. And have you in the White House give us hope. America needs to show all of its true colors to the world. And some of those colors are light blue, pink, and yellow. Thank you, Mr. President. You were vilified because you couldn't join the military. Really? Really? So this is a quote from a CNN Blanket statement, no source quote. It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there's no consistent criteria for assigning sex at birth. Oh, it's pretty easy. Vagina and penis. It's worked for a millennia. CNN clarifies gender sex claim with more activist doublespeak. This week, CNN.com posted two articles in which they recycled the same line verbatim regarding biological sex. A March 29th article written by contributor Lauren Holt said, But it's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there's no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. Another article, It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there's no consensus, blah, blah, blah. These identical claims were put forth as fact by CNN without qualification or attribution. Just trans activist dogma. Called out on a ridiculous and journalistically unethical claim, the best CNN comic could do was do this. Well, sex is a category that refers broadly to psychology, 
or physiology. A person's gender is an innate sense of identity. The factors that go into determining the sex listed on a person's birth certificate may include anatomy, genetics, and hormones, and there is a broad natural variation in each of these categories. For this reason, the language of biological sex as used in the legislation can be overly simplistic and misleading. Go fuck yourself. You're not real news. Just go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself in the ass. Go fuck off. Go fuck yourself. And it's not covered in this soundbite, but I want to make sure I play this. This Tucker Carlson, what are you doing, GOP? So now that the smoke from the last election is clearing and Donald Trump is gone, the Republican Party has to figure out what it is and what it should be. Is it going to be the GOP of 2006, foreign wars plus corporate tax cuts, the party of John Boehner and Liz Cheney? That's what it's been for a long time. Or will it become, or is it already, something very different from that, something new and potentially much broader than what it was? That's the question. Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana has thought a lot about it. Banks released a memo this week that seems to answer that question conclusively. The Republican Party, he writes, is no longer an arm of the Chamber of Commerce. In fact, it is already the party of the American middle class. And we know that because they're its voters. Consider these numbers. 79% of mechanics who gave in the last election gave to the Republican, Donald Trump. So did 60% of small business owners and 59% of custodians to the Republican Party. When was the last time the Republican Party won janitors? Probably been 100 years at least. The Democratic Party, meanwhile, has now solidified its position as the party of entrenched power. 94% of college professors gave to Joe Biden, so much for diversity on campus. So did 73% of bankers. And that's a remarkable change. As recently as 2012, Wall Street donors gave more than three times as much to the Republican as they did to the Democrat. It was the party of Wall Street for generations, but it isn't anymore. Last year, Joe Biden took in four times as much from the finance establishment as Donald Trump did. Now, Congressman Banks calls this a paradigm reversal, and he's absolutely right about that. It's likely permanent. Huge groups of people have changed how they vote. So how should the Republican Party respond to these facts? And they are facts. Well, for starters, how about stop sucking up to the people who hate you? Corporate America has gone mostly hard left, so stop doing their bidding. Don't help the people who want to hurt you. And then when you get a minute, start representing and defending your own voters. Find the people who vote for you and do something for them. The issues aren't complicated. We know what they're interested in. Control the border. Demand fair trade deals. Fight the power of big big tech. Stand up for small business. And as you do all this, denounce wokeness as the moral atrocity that it is. He nails it. Fuck all those people. I mean... We have the media, CBS, three ways companies can help fight Georgia's restrictive new voting law. That's a news. That's that's news. Being activists blatantly for a state's law. Political fact boast fact-checking festival in May starring Brian Seltzer. Brian Seltzer. Snopes flags National Review as false Lester Holt didn't ditch objectivity. We played it in the intro. Yeah, he did. 
Orwell 84. Facebook removes Trump's interview, silences political dissent. It's gone. If you posted an interview with Trump, they took it down because he's banned from their site, they said. Byron York, there's a 44th president and a 46th president, but the 45th has vanished down the memory hole. Daily Mail, Facebook and Instagram take down Trump interview with daughter-in-law because it featured Trump speaking in the voice of Donald Trump. Candace Owens, same thing. Twitter's unnecessarily slapped a label on my entirety, truthful tweet. There are no long-term studies on COVID-19 vaccine. Children have approximate zero chance of dying from virus. I stand by assessment that using children as lab rats is child abuse. But they took it down because it's not what Biden's saying. Biden doesn't know what he's saying. The CDC doesn't know what to say because here we are. Once again, CDC says something and then they're told to take it down. And some other rep comes out and says, no, that's that's not, not what we're saying. And then there's this, as this is Easter. Just a little reminder today, dead people don't come back to life. A reply to it was, hey, can you just be quiet and let fucking people believe what they want? Oh yeah, I'm all for that. It just, I can't not, I can't let unscientific things go by. I can't. Sorry, I'm trying to make this all the same size. Sorry about that. That was kind of inside baseball. YouTube intensifies attack on religious religion, removes another face-based channel. That is 10 that they have removed from YouTube. For speaking of the gospel, because you're not able to. The GOP, who I'm not a member of, need to capitalize on that. Capitalize on the fact that most Americans, 75% of them, of plurality, are for voter ID. Most of the country, 67 and 65, are against third term by abortions, and they don't want to finance abortions. Most Americans are not down with the woke. It's 18% of the country. It just happens to be our entire media is part of that 18%. Attack the woke. Ron DeSantis is a rock star to most people that aren't lefties. They may not vote for him, but he's getting no critical race, no vaccine. The simple fact that in our world, asking for voter ID, something everybody wants, and COVID vaccine are coming out of the same mouths of the same people. That's insanity. That's just fucking insanity. And it's not stopped by fact checkers. They're they're doing some fact checks. But as so many people have said, we don't have a running count of his lies. Which brings us to This is America. This is probably the worst soundbite on Georgia that, yeah, it's bad. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. 
It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. What you're asking for is to help reverse a law that's been passed. And Georgia's passed their law, but as you well know, this is something that's going on nationwide right now. And to get these legislatures, to convince these legislatures, you're going to have to find a way to reach across the aisle. I want to show you some statistics from a new Pew poll that came out earlier this month, because I think it speaks to the division you've got to deal with here. 85% of Democrats say everything possible should be done to make it easier to vote. But just 28% of Republicans... And I want to contrast that on the Republican side to the number just two years ago in 2018. It was nearly half of Republicans said everything should be done to make it easier to vote. But it seems like the big lies had a big effect, and that's motivating these state legislatures. What's your strategy to try to reach out to Republicans to heal this divide? Well, first thing I think we have to do is be honest and face the truth. And that is that we are coming to a very dangerous point in this country where we no longer have two political parties. You have the Democratic Party and you have a cult. And this cult has their policies based on a lie. If you want to get back to your favorite places and feel confident they have put your health and safety first, look for the Well Health Safety Seal. Look for the Well Health Safety Seal. Look for the Well Health Safety Seal. I'm Dr. Richard Carmona, the 17th Surgeon General of the United States of America. This is the Well Health Safety Seal from the International Well Building Institute, the global authority on healthy buildings. The Well Health Safety Rating was informed by years of research and input from hundreds of leading virologists, public health experts, epidemiologists, and building professionals around the world. You'll see it at schools, offices, banks, childcare centers, all the places we go. The Well Health Safety Seal means that we'll feel better going into restaurants, theaters, stores, hotels, stadiums, in all the places that we love. Everything may look the same, but the Well Health Safety Shield means that your health and safety are top of mind when it comes to cleaning and sanitizing procedures, air and water quality management, emergency preparedness programs, and health services. So look for the Well Health Safety Seal outside and feel more confident going inside. A cult. Hmm. I would pretty much say intersectionality is a cult. The whole progressive intersectionality concept, it's replaced religion. For millions of people, you've applied it to everything. And then I forgot to play the safety seal with a bunch of celebrities. It's dystopian. It's a corporatocracy. Tucker's right. We're in some dangerous days. It's fucking out of control. It's just seriously out of control. Which, because I got some extra time, I want to play some Yusha Smith. Golden Era, and he has his own channel on YouTube, of Drill Sergeant Phrases. Privates, tell me one goddamn thing. Why in the hell do my barracks smell like Preparation H, fear, and sweat, Private?
rabbits, you all stink. You smell like pickle juice and hot dog water. Oh, you miss your mommy? Hmm? A fat body. Yeah, you. Just looking at you make me sick. Just start Iron mike -ing. I said Iron Mike! Where's your freaking battle buddy, Private? What platoon are you going to? Okay. Yeah, that's me. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. You come to the Warriors. Your ass is mine. Ha 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 ha. Oh shit. High five, battle. I am your drill sergeant. Backbone. B-A-C-K. I know because you can't pass your freaking PT test. Holy shit, Private. You're so goddamn ugly. You make me want to throw dead kittens at orphans. When you file a complaint, make sure you spell it right. Backbone. Ha <laughs> ha. Suck it the hell up, Private. Who the freak you calling a sir, Private? Okay. All right. Burpee. Go. Sit call. Get this shit out of my face, Private. Get back in formation. What's on Briggs? We got a crier. <laughs> Look at him. It's fucking embarrassing. Crying. Grown ass man. Holy shit, Private. Hey, stop bebopping, Private. If you're from Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, or Jersey, step out to my left, your right, and start fucking pushing. Uh-huh, I know all about you city boys. Get your freaking back straight, Private. You eyeballing me, Private? You think you can kick my ass? Come on, hit me right here. You tough, right? Billy Badass, right? <laughs> Come here, Private. Oh, you have muscle failure, huh? 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 Go ahead and eat your freaking fat cakes and your fatty pies, and guess what? It's about to get hot. Alright, listen up! Everybody, eyes on me! You got three seconds! I mean three seconds to get off my bus! Three, two, you gonna run me over, Brian? Come on! I'll break you in half. <laughs> well, 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 what do we have here? A New Yorker, huh? Hey, battle, we got one. Get off my bus. Now! Right here. You don't belong in my army. Who is your recruiter? Sorry. It doesn't matter who your recruiter was. You in my army now, boy. What? What was that? Huh? Get the f front me and the rest. Get down. In cadence. Holy sh Get your ass up. Get back down. Get up. Get up. Get down. <laughs> the God this morning, Brian. You know what he said? They smoked the dog shit out. You get in your fucking face. Beat your face. Why the fuck they call me Backbone Private? Huh? Ah! Left, left, right. Get in step, Private. You go down, you say batch. And when you come up, you say bone. Down. Back. Up. Bone. Down. Back. Get your ass up, Private. Well, nobody told you to jerk off with Icy Hop. No one cares if you're offended and your feelings don't fucking matter. So you from New York, huh? Come on. Swing. Swing. All of you look like shit. Soup sandwich. Look at you. You ugly, short, fat fuck. Alright, New York. It will behoove you to unfuck yourself. Cause guess what? You're with me in my army. Push! Okay. Too easy. 
half-right head. Now fucking push until I get tired. I will PT you until you freaking die. Oh, you ain't got to worry about your girlfriends now, privates. Guess what? Jody got her now. He's taking real good care of her. <laughs> he break it down Borny style for you. Trust me, you do not. You do not want to get in the hairy asshole contest with me, private. Wah, wah, wah. I want to call my mommy. Flutter kick, go. Front. Back. Go. <laughs> Bruh, this is weak as fuck, man. Old Curious George man in the yellow hat looking ass, man. Black son, bitch. Look, I don't care if it was a parody. It up. He's ate up. That drill had no credibility. Yeah, I'm on the Did mention it was a joke, and he wanted people to know he didn't put official patches on there, but guess what? I'm a dick. If I was to ever see that drill start in real life, I will kick his freaking ass. I will. Yeah, I would. I'm combative level one. Shit was freaking weak. Ever see this weak motherfucker, man? I knocked the fuck out of the weak motherfucker, man. He's a freaking moron. Ah. Gotcha. What's that smell? Dookie. Dookie. Squeal. Backbone coming. Who? Backbone, bruh. Hey, bruh, grab this side over there for me, man. Get this straight. Come on, man. Know how he is, man. Get him in line, man. Man, bruh, get your ass out of the way, man. Get this shit out of the man. Hey, outstanding. What y'all got in my Pride? Oh, I smell something. Something right. Hey, Pride, make a hole. Well, well, well. What do we have here? Oh, it's about to get hot. funny? Huh? You know what's hilarious? How the hell out of three billion sperms that you actually made it, Pride? Huh? Riddle me that! Riddle me that, Pride! Give me one damn thing! Just one! Where the f Where the hell is your national defense belt, Pride? Huh? It's freaking Veterans Day! You can't even get that right, right? Right? Answer me! Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're an expert grenadier now, huh? So you throw f***ing grenades to f***ing space. Well, I was there, Private, and you almost blew your f***ing battle buddy away. <laughs> Take this shit off. Stolen value, you son of a draw. I'm on profile. God damn, Private, you brush my like You make me want to pit two pace in my fist and bust your f***ing teeth out. Profile? Where is it? Where is it? That's what I think of your profile, Pride. Now push! I can fix laziness. I can fix weakness. I can even fix eight fuck up. But you know what I can't fix? Stupid. Push! Push! That silly stack of Why are you so ate up, Pride? Huh? Your parents related? Huh? Yes. Yes. What? Douchebag, monkey puncher, ass clown, what? A one, two, three. Oh. 
One, two, three. Oh, what's the matter? Your feelings hurt? Huh? Mommy, mommy, make the bad man stop. Fucking <laughs> push. Start Did I stutter? You gonna put Fort Knox to the West Coast by the time I get finished with you? <laughs> Halfway down. Six inches. Do I make myself clear, Pratt? Do I? Fucking battle buddy going. Hey, no nuts! Get your ass over here! Mail call! Let's see what Private Johnson mom and daddy bought him today, huh? Preparation H medical wipes. Hmm. Preparation H hemorrhoid cream? What the f what the hell is going on with your ass, Pride? Fucking half-bitten donut? What the f Pride? Get your game bars. Look, you can't have none of this shit. Oh, that's contraband, ho. See, that's a problem, Privates. Y'all here smoking and joking. Oh, yeah, Private, don't worry about losing your wife here in basic. Because if the army wanted you to have a wife, we would have issued you one. Present Happy Veterans Day to the ones who served and the badasses who still serving. Thanks for watching. This is over. Order That is some funny stuff with that guy. And it wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share it with your family and friends. Go to FOPPodcast.com to get the video and audio. FOPPodcast.com to leave comments. If you're a purist, go to SoundCloud for audio and go to Rumble for video. You can get them both at FOPPodcast.com. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Prayers go out to my father who's recovering from a uh, surgery and my mom who's having to deal with that. Make sure you enjoy Easter weekend with your family. It is still, the story of Jesus is still amazing. I don't talk about a lot of religion on here, but I remember as a little kid getting a nail handed to me on Easter Sunday. It wasn't about the eggs. It wasn't about the Easter bunny. It was about Jesus rose from the dead. And as much as the left wants to squell that out, censor it, and remove religion from our life, the majority of Americans still believe there is a God and his son was Jesus Christ. That they can't accept that people are able to believe that shows they are the true fascist. Tune in Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. What is Wednesday? The freaking 14th. Mm-hmm. For another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Thanks for listening. And you take care.